We are so excited you've decided to listen to this week's sermon podcast. Hey, we release sermon podcasts weekly, so be sure to follow us and hit that notification bell so you can be notified when episodes are released. God bless and enjoy. We're going to preach and teach a little bit of a strange topic, maybe subject that may seem a little different but it'll all come out like my mother used to say in the wash it'll all be okay at the end amen we're going to numbers chapter 20 and verse number 16 very simple verse there's not a whole whole lot to get out of it uh, without reading the whole thing but the whole story around it But here we go. Numbers 20 and 16. And when we cried unto the Lord, He heard our voice and sent an angel, one angel, an angel, and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. Egypt always denotes a place of sin, a place of failure, a place of addiction, a place of sorrow and pain and hurt and slavery. All throughout Scripture, only a few times, just a few times, is, 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 the, is the, the land and the people set up for a good message. When we cried unto the Lord, He heard our voice and sent an angel and hath brought us forth out of Egypt. I want to preach something that seems contrary to that statement almost directly opposite but we'll get there in the message sometimes God don't send an angel are you ready sometimes God don't send an angel let's pray together Lord we love you We thank you for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you for this beautiful crowd here today. Thank you for this beautiful Sunday. Just fixing to head into the noon hour. Ask you to bless us here today. Anoint us. Let us hear your word just as you spoke it to each that was writing it. Let us understand it. And then let us respond to what your spirit is saying to us collectively and as individuals. Just bless us and touch us. Let us hear and understand and respond in Jesus' name. Amen. Love the Lord with all your heart if you believe His Word. Come on. Yes, Lord, we love you. We receive your Word. Amen. Sometimes God don't send an angel. You may be seated. All throughout Scripture we can read and recognize that one of the tools just as a carpenter with a carpenter's belt uh, one of the tools that the Lord will use is an angel Uh, it's a tool to him He, he uses an angel many many times to do various things and uh it's 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 very well recorded we'll talk about some of that but Uh, sometimes God don't send an angel. And those are the times we we wonder what will happen. Let me just share uh, a few moments with you when the Lord used an angel 
uh, as, as his own tool, as his own hand, an extension of himself. You can go to Revelation 22 and 16 and you would find there that the Lord sent angels. All right? He sent angels to testify to the church. That's awesome. What, what would we do if an angel walked in this place and started telling us about the promises of the Lord and we knew it was an angel? How many of you would stay? <laughs> I don't know how I would feel. It'd be, a, it'd be quite a deal. Uh, but it would be incredible. But he'd, he'd, he would do this. It, he, he's done it historically. He's done it. Let's, let's look at another place. He, he gets angry at the people of God. He gets angry at the city of Jerusalem. And he, he, he does something in 1 Chronicles 21 and 15. The Bible said that he sent an angel to destroy Jerusalem. God sent an angel. That's, that's, that's his tools. That's part of his work. And then when you get to 2 Chronicles 32 and 21, the Bible says, The Lord sent an angel which cut off all the mighty men of valor and the leaders. The Lord said, that's enough. These men are not going to continue to fight in war and be the way they are. And he spoke to one of his angels. We don't have a name here, but he spoke to one of his angels. And he said, hey, go down there and settle that. I'm tired of all this confusion and fighting and everything that's messed up. You go settle that. You can go down to the book of Daniel, chapter 6 and verse 22. And, and he said this after he was sent to the den of lions that we spoke a little about in the 10 o'clock session. He said this in Daniel 6 and 22. My God hath sent an angel and hath shut the lion's mouth that they have not hurt me. When the Lord gets ready to send an angel, he just sends an angel. Boy, I'm glad he can do that. The Lord got ready to send some good news. What did he do in Luke 1 and 19? The Bible said that he sent an angel with good news and glad tidings. A lot of times the Lord sends an angel to do his work. Anybody believe that? Yeah. I'll tell you something. I, I believe in angels. I, I believe in angels not only because of the Bible and what it says and what it speaks and I'm a firm believer that the word of God is without error it's infallible, it's everlasting it's true, it's established and so I believe in that but I also believe it in my personal life that not only is it a biblical truth or a biblical idea and concept from 6,000, 5,000, 4,000, 2,000 years ago, ever how long it's been since the story happened that you're reading about. I don't only believe it because of that, but I believe it because of things that have happened in my life. And I want to share a couple of those things with you, and somebody needs to hear this today, and somebody's life is going to be changed. Are you ready? It was 2005, I think I'd done the best uh, memory I could do and, and, and go back to about the ages of, of the girls, maybe 2006, something like that, and uh, some others may uh, remember 
better than I that are in this room, but I was in Alexandria, Louisiana. I'd just gotten through playing golf with a group of preachers, and it was during camp meeting in Louisiana, on the old Louisiana campgrounds there, and I was there in Alexandria, Tioga to be exact, and I was on the campgrounds, and I'll never forget, I could take you to the place where I was at. I just unloaded a, a friend of mine's golf clubs there, Brother Rodney Smith, pastors down the Lake Charles area, and he, he was getting out and going into his cabin, and I was walking back to my truck, and the phone call came. On the other end was just screaming. It was just absolute terror. It was mayhem. I could tell that it was my wife because it was her number that popped up. Then I could tell that it was her because in between the screaming and the panic, I could tell that uh, it was her voice. And all, all I could do really was just, just go into a shell of panic. And I didn't know what was going on and what was happening. And the voice on the other end said, We've been in a car wreck, and they were at the house, her and all three girls, and they were on their way to meet me at the count meeting. I was going to dress in one of the cabins there that we were staying in, or in our trailer at that time, actually. And so we were uh, going to be meeting together that evening at the camp, which was 80 or 90 miles away. And this call came, and I answered, and, and with that panic and that terror voice, she said, we've been in a wreck, and she was just just going crazy and I, I said what happened and finally I just said you got to stop you got to tell me is everybody alive is everything okay and she just said I don't know I don't know what's going on I don't know how it happened and she was completely frantic at that moment for whatever reason uh, I was driving the truck at that time and I got in that truck and I began to go north on Interstate 49 as fast as I could go. The truck was just pegging out and shutting down at about 118 miles an hour as fast as I could go. And I had an 80 or 90 mile drive to the scene of the accident. And when I got there, I, I discovered what had happened was it had began to rain just a little bit and the, the roads were just a little slick and there was a rock truck with 80,000 pounds of gravel and somehow they uh, merged into one another and there was a head-on collision with my wife and three daughters and this truck that had 80,000 pounds of rock in the back of it. It pushed the wheel of that brand new the first year they built a Chevrolet Equinox and we had just gone out and bought it in New. We maybe made two or three payments at the most, but it pushed the wheel, the driver's wheel, up underneath between the driver's seat and the passenger's seat. The vehicle was completely twisted. The, the tailgate on it or the, the hatch on it, when it would close, would overlap one of the taillights. It looked like a can. It had just been destroyed. When they began to write an estimate, he said, I know it's total, but he had already written more than we paid for the vehicle, and he said, there's just no more point in writing and I knew it was a total loss when I got here. There's a lot of stories inside of that story concerning seat belts and seating positions and a bunch of stuff I won't go into right now. But I stood there and I looked at this situation and I got real, real mad. I really wanted to, to do harm to this guy that this happened because he said, I could have missed him, but I didn't want to lose my load. And it just washed over me and I, I wanted to poke his eyes out at best. 
And it just, I mean, I, the, the, the flesh in me, but something else was saying, your family's alive. Your family's alive. <laughs> Y'all just help me here a minute. And I stood there and there was mud that had already surfaced. When they hit the front of the truck, they went airborne and all the way back across the road into the bar ditch on the other side of the highway. And how it worked out, I got there. Everybody was okay except my wife had a, a, a severe break. Both bones in her arm were broken. And it, it, the impact was so high it knocked her shoes off and it knocked her wedding band off. It was a pretty incredible impact and I showed up right there on the scene and, and she just hugged me and she's holding her arm and she hugged me and, and the rain had been falling, there's mud everywhere and, and I said, well baby, did, 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 you, did anybody see this? Is there anybody that can vouch for what happened? She said, yes, somebody did see this and she said, there was an old man. She said, Rusty, it was a strange thing and I said, what happened? And she said, well, as soon as she said, I thought the truck was on fire, the car was on fire it was the airbag stuff and she said I thought it was on fire and I was trying to kick the glass out of the side of it and I couldn't get it to break and she said just all of a sudden the door just opened the passenger door the driver's door was no more she said but that door just opened and she said there stood a gentleman and he had three or four brand new clean towels in his hand and an umbrella and he just got us out one at a time. She said, I was barefooted. I couldn't find my wedding ring. She said, he escorted us across the highway to a brand new Ford car. She said, it was a white car and it didn't have any plates. She said, I distinctly remember seeing the dealer plate on it. She said, he escorted us there. And I said, where is he now? We need to get a statement. She said, nobody knows. I said, what did he do? She said, he escorted us to the back of their brand new car. It had paper floor mats. And he set us down, gave us each a towel, he and his wife. And when the ambulance pulled up in the fire truck and they wanted to start talking to us and checking us all out, she said, I looked up to say something and the car was gone, the umbrella was gone, the towels were gone, and the man was gone. And for just a moment, I got frustrated. I said, this guy could have helped us in this situation. He could have told us what was going on, what happened, what truly happened. But he was gone. It was a pretty incredible moment. We didn't think a whole lot more about it. But over the coming days... Of course, there was a, a miraculous healing. My, my, my wife, they couldn't find a pulse in her hand. They thought maybe the artery uh, that went down her arm had been severed by the seat belt. And there was a lot of frantic work going on there in Shreveport at willis Knight and Piermont Hospital. And we began to pray in just a few moments. Hear me right now. In just a few moments... What was hanging down about two and a half inches by four inches long right here all of a sudden went back into place. While we prayed, the lady asked, she said, what happened? And I said, well, I called back to the count meeting and just now about 6,000 people carried this situation to prayer and God has done a miracle. She ran out and brought all the doctors and nurses back in and said, look, that thing she had is gone.
Well, y'all might as well help me because it's going to help you. And so we started thinking about this and the Lord is healed and delivered and I was an emotional wreck like I am a little bit even thinking about it. My three little girls that I love so much were in that car and there were no major injuries. It was a, a pretty unreal scenario. Matter of fact, Sister Shira was the, the, the news writer at the time and wrote an article about the paper that still stands today. It's chronicled. You can go see that in the newspaper. And so there it was, it happened, it was an event that we knew was a miracle. We began to talk over the next few days and weeks and so that was in the, the first week of July was always camp meeting. We'd go to the Smoky Mountains usually just before school started and we were wanting everything to get worked out with our car and take our kids up to the Smokies and go to Dollywood and walk Gatlinburg and do everything that we would do up there and we began to talk and I, I said, baby, do you think that was an angel? And she said, you know, I do. At that moment, Lindsay, being the most tender of the three about the situation, she said, Daddy, I just believe. She said, it just had a weird feeling. She said, because by the time that door came open, he was standing in that muddy ditch with towels and an umbrella and escorted us to a brand new car that couldn't be traced with a license plate. And when the police showed up and we said, ask him about it, he wasn't there. All of my girls are in this building today. If I get out of line, y'all just straighten me out. My wife's right there. And so this happened. And so I began to mull over this. And we rejoiced in the church that we pastored there in Cushada. And we rejoiced with the people. And it was a miracle. The arm was a miracle. The wreck was a miracle. Within two days, we had a check and bought a new vehicle. We even thought as quick as the insurance company worked was a miracle. Everything just worked in our favor. And somebody just continued to say, maybe that was an angel. And finally, it got into my brain that there was a possibility that really was an angel. And I remember the verse where it says we entertain angels daily, unaware. I said, maybe this is how the angel was entertained on that July the 5th. Time went, no problem with the arm, no problem with the new vehicle. We went out and bought a new Honda Odyssey van. Lord blessed us in every kind of way. We got ready for our vacation. This is still all fresh on my mind and we go and each year what we would do is we would take uh, and still do when it's just Missy and I traveling wherever we may be going we'd take an ice chest and instead of paying somebody else and eating no telling what we'd just take an ice chest with meat and cheese and chips and drinks and we'd stop and make a picnic for the kids and we still do it alone today and we enjoyed it some of the funnest times. Something happened that particular time. We didn't get to leave on time. And when we got to the first, where we always stopped was that first rest area. As soon as you cross the Tennessee line, we'd open our vehicle up and there is where we would go over to the picnic tables. But something happened and we left late. It didn't work out right and things just kind of got mixed up and we weren't able to go to the picnic tables and all. But we still said this is going to be our first stop. Oh, Y'all just don't know. And we pulled up at that rest area. And we walked in. 
girls need to go to the restroom. We all wanted to go in. We wanted to get some, some brochures of everything that happens. You know, we had done it all, but maybe there's something new, and we're going to go through the brochures of the rest stop, and we're missing our picnic, and it's 11 o'clock at night now, somewhere along in there, and things aren't working out just exactly how we planned, but we all go do what we need to do, and we're on our way out. Kids are just ahead of me, my wife just behind them, and I heard this voice. It said, excuse me, sir. I turned around to see about a 62 or 65-year-old man, white hair, mostly balding, nice posture, standing up straight. And something caught my attention very quickly. The first question he asked me was, would you mind letting me know what time it is? But I immediately noticed he was wearing a watch. And then he said to me, what exit are y'all going to? And he asked me a couple more personal questions that made me feel uneasy. And I said, baby, y'all go ahead and go to the car. I didn't know if somebody was about to come out of the darkness, if this was part of a setup or what. I didn't know. So they beat me to the car. and He held me 20, 30, 40 seconds, no more than a minute for certain. And I answered some of his questions kind of in a defensive posture, just kind of wondering, hey, man, what, you know, you've already asked one question you know the answer to. It's clear to me. And so I, I don't know what you got going on, but uh, we need to go. And I kind of backpedaled to the car. And I got in, and it was as though a choir was singing when I stepped into that van. All of them said at one time, that's the guy. And I said, do what? What guy? They said, the guy. I said, what guy? They said, the guy from the wreck. That's the guy that opened the door. And I look back, and he's driving a new white Ford. Watch this. Somebody needs to hear me right now. And I said, I don't know that I believe that. Why would he be at a rest stop in Tennessee while we're on our way to vacation and everything seems to be going wrong? We can't get nothing right and the timing is messed up. What in the world is going on? Are y'all sure? And one by one asked individually, they said, I'm 100% positive that's the man or that's his exact twin and that's the car he was driving. So I accepted that. I pulled out on the road. 20 seconds later, somewhere between 20 and 30, maybe 40 seconds later, a fuel tanker hit a car right in front of us and began to flip end over end down the highway and exploded with six or eight fatalities. And immediately it hit me. I just saved your life. I said, talk to me, Lord. He said, sometimes... I send an angel. Come on. Some of y'all need to hear me. God has sent some angels to do some things. Some of you have been bound by drug addiction. Some of you have been bound in a bad marriage. Some of you have been bound in a poor situation. Some have been bound to a prison cell. Some have been bound to a spirit of suicide. But God sometimes sends an angel. I'm going to mess around and shout in here. I want you to know that one way or another, God is going to settle the needs of your life. 
Say, I don't believe in that, Pastor. It don't make me one bit of difference what you believe. I have lived it long enough to know that God is always on time. God will send an angel sometime. too late to make me not believe and here's the beautiful thing if there's an angel somebody's sending him if there's an angel doing a work somebody's pulling those strings if there's an angel sent to your house to your heart to your job to your situation somebody sent him and that somebody is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that rules the universe Acts 12 and 11, while Peter was in prison about to die in the presence of King Herod, the Bible said, when Peter was come to himself, he said, I know of a surety the Lord hath sent an angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jews. God sent an angel. He sent an angel to Mary and it promised him about the birth of the man Jesus Christ. What a God! To have a tool in his pocket like an angel. Boy, when we consider the power of an angel, where does that put God? I'll hear this one. John the Revelator, exiled to the Isle of Patmos, lets him see into the future and the end of time. Chapter 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel do that. And and I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent which is the devil and Satan and bound him. One angel took your devil and chained him up. One One angel settled your cocaine addiction. One angel settled your methamphetamine addiction. One angel settled your pornography addiction. One angel settled the lust of the flesh. One angel sent by God broke chains that you would have never in a lifetime. Somebody ought to just help me shout right now. Yeah, we get excited when we think about what he's done for us. But oh, what can he still do? And cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more till a thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that he must be loosed a little season. God sent an angel. He sent an angel. Can you imagine seeing that? Can you imagine being John the Revelator? 
as I come to a close and the end of this message, sometimes God don't send an angel. Sometimes he comes himself. When you repent, he don't send an angel. When you go down in that water in Jesus' name, it won't be under the authority of an angel. When the trumpet sounds, it won't be because of an angel. When time is no more, it won't be because of an angel. Sometimes God says, no, you don't get this privilege. I'm going to do this one myself. There's some people God wants to work on your behalf himself today. He's not going to send an angel. He's going to send nail-scarred hands, a crowned head, and a pierced side, and pierced feet to deal with your situation. He didn't send an angel to the cross. He didn't send an angel to the whipping post. He didn't send an angel to a tomb. He didn't send an angel on the day of Pentecost. He didn't send an angel of forgiveness. Sometimes God just does it himself. Somebody ought to just shout with a voice of triumph. Somebody ought to thank him because when you were broken and falling apart, God settled it. When the breath of life, when the breath of life was breathed into you, when you made the exit from your mother's womb, an angel didn't do that. When breath is taken from you the last time, an angel won't do that. Sometimes God don't send an angel. Say, I've only got one more verse and then I know I'm done and I hate that. You can look at the world and you can see this thing is winding up and things are becoming settled that weren't settled 10 years ago five years ago or three years ago things are coming to a head something's about to explode let me share with you what that explosion's going to be like 1 Thessalonians 4 16 through 18 for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Let me tell you, when the graves are open, it won't be because of an angel. When hell is defeated and heaven is eternally triumphed, it will not be because of an angel. God will do it himself. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet an angel. No, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the angel. No, we'll be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Somebody needs to hear me right now. When you repent of your sins today, 
God's not going to send an angel. He, in a moment, just like that. Well, Pastor, I got 50 years of sin. God don't need 50 seconds. He don't need five seconds. He needs you to repent and immediately. If you can time immediately, then set your timer to immediately. If you repent, he said he's quick to forgive us of our sins. If we turn to him, he's quick to come to us. If we draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to us. If we turn our heart to him, he'll turn his eyes and his ears to us. The Bible said that he has perpetually tuned an ear in to the prayers of his people. He didn't send an angel and say, tell me what they said. Tell me what they're talking about. He said, I got my eye. I got my ear. I'll use my angels as a weapon, but I'm in charge here. I'm not 100% positive why I feel like sharing this because I've come to a, to a point in my life where I let some things just go. But I'm going to tell you something. When I was buying eight, eight balls at a time and piling them up on a plate in front of me and cutting it off a big blue rock, God did not send an angel to deliver me. I didn't go to 12 steps. I didn't go to prison. I wasn't indicted. I didn't have to be checked in on and wear a monitor and give somebody a sample every month. But God came. I said, Lord, if you'll deliver me, I'll never look back. I'll never forget the night when my heart quit beating fast and the desire for pure cocaine left my body. God said, I didn't send an angel. I showed up for you. Somebody needs to hear me preach right now. Sometimes God don't send an angel. Come on, musicians. I stood in a 900 square foot rented house with my heart beating 180 times a minute. Stepped outside and said, God, I'm tired of this lifestyle. I walked 25 feet to a barbed wire fence that struck me across the shoulders and I leaned over it and I said, if you still love me, if you still care, if you're still there, I want to go to sleep and I want to wake up in the morning never to have that desire again. That was a Friday night. Sometime in the wee hours of the morning, I fell asleep. Not far after daylight, my phone rang. It was a pastor of a church. He said, hey, I know you played a mean shortstop in high school. We need a third baseman on our church softball team, and we need it today. We got a tournament. I went and dusted off my glove, Uncle Carl. I grabbed my best ball pants and my cleats. I showed up at Ben Gill Park to play ball. Nobody called me that day. Nobody called me the next day. Nobody ever called me again. Eight years later, the guy that I was dealing around with walked up to me and hugged my neck and said, we made it out. Ain't God good? Somebody needs to stand to your feet and say, I made it out. Ain't God good. 
Y'all need to hear me. He'll deliver you from whatever's got you bound. He'll set you free from whatever's holding you. He'll release whatever weight is keeping you from running. He'll set your mind straight from whatever's trying to derail you. Sometimes God don't send an angel. Oh, I thank him for every angel. I don't have a beef with angels, trust me. I just like it sometimes when I know that the Lord took time. My father, who said that? My king, my daddy, my blood, my DNA said, son, you ain't going to have to deal with this no more. Oh, I want him to send some angels. But I want to just tell you something. When you repent of your sins, an angel's not going to forgive you. When you go down in water baptism, ever how many there are today, that go down in water baptism today, you're not going to go down in the name of Michael, the archangel. You're not going to go down in the name of Gabriel, the angel. You're not going to go down in any of the two-thirds that stayed in heaven. When you go down, you're going to go down in the only name given under heaven whereby men must be saved. The Bible said his name is Jesus Christ, and he's the father of creation, the son and redemption, and the Holy Ghost and deliverer in the modern day church his name is Jesus there's no other name there's no other hope you can pray for your angel if you want to but I'm praying for God I'm praying for God to do what an angel has never had the authority to do Brother David, whenever y'all get ready, whoever's being baptized, I didn't have the pleasure of meeting you. I'm assuming there's somebody right in here. Bam! What's his first name? Eric? Garrett? Hey, Garrett, when you come up out of that water, there might be some angels around, but it's going to be Jesus that meets you there. When your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and you have a promise of the Holy Ghost to come to lead you and guide you into all the rest of the truth that is to come, it won't be an angel that leads you. It'll be the one true living Holy God. Here's what I wonder. I wonder if there's some saints of God that need God on the scene. I wonder if there's some sinners, some backsliders, some lukewarm. What do you mean? Somebody that's just strayed away from God a little bit, but you still love Him and have a willingness to serve Him. I wonder if you'd walk to this altar and say, Lord, I thank you for every angel you've ever put in my life. But today, I need your hand to touch me. Today will be the day He don't send the angel. Hey, 